0: Welcome to Landscape Photography World, the podcast for everyone passionate about landscape photography. I'm Grant Swinburne and I'll be your host on the show, talking to landscape photographers about their motivations, likes and dislikes. This podcast is sponsored by Syncback Pro, the professional photographer's tool to keep your images safe. How safe are your photographs? Or to put it this way, how would you feel if you permanently lost some or even all of them? The fact is there are very real risks in storing your digital images on a hard drive, even if they're backed up to an external device. There's ransomware, hardware failure, file corruption, virus infection, and even accidental deletion or destruction. SyncBack Pro makes this problem go away permanently. SyncBack Pro is the professional photographer's tool to back up photographs, images, documents and data files. Once set up, it keeps your files safe, quietly and reliably in the background. So if problems occur, or disaster strikes, you'll have nothing to worry about. Your photographs will be safe. Which is why it's also the backup solution that I use myself for my own photographs. Take advantage of an exclusive 25% discount today by going to www.backup.sg. The software will never expire, meaning your photographs are safe forever. That's www.backup.sg. Give your photographs the protection they deserve. And now, on with the show. Wren McGann is a big wave surf and Photoshop artist based in Western Australia. He's always had a deep fascination with the ocean and of the energy that it produces. Through his images, images, Wren tries to convey a blend of surrealism and power to show these subjects from a new perspective. Winner of the Nikon 2020 Surf Photographer of the Year, his passion for getting amongst some of the wildest waves on the planet shows deeply within his body of work. His fascination with photography blossomed after his initial visit to a captivating surf spot known as The Rite. Located in the southwest region of Western Australia, The Rite is a remarkable reef break, a testament to the awe-inspiring creations of nature. Ren's photographic prowess adeptly captures the essence of this wave, showcasing its formidable power, relentless force, dynamic energy, and breathtaking beauty in every mesmerizing image. We discuss his first trip to the right, how his style has developed from his editing and graphics design background, and where he sees surf photography heading over the next few years, along with a whole load more. I hope you enjoy the show. G'day Wren, welcome to Landscape Photography World. How are you going?
1: Yeah, good, good, mate. Uh, how you going?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty good. It's uh, quite a nice cooling day. It's not uh, not not too hot, not too cold. It's one of those Goldilocks
1: days. Yeah, it's been absolutely pissing down here for two days. So
0: first, oh, well. first
1: big rains of the year. Yeah, yeah, you haven't had a lot over there. No, nah, real. I think we're one of the driest summers we've had in a long time, which is weird for a La Nina. Yeah,
0: well, we've um, we've been wet as all all through summer, so and it's extending now into autumn. But today's a today's a good one.
1: Yeah, <laughs> just a big take them when,
0: take them when you get it, mate. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So why don't we kick off with who you are
1: and what you do and why you do what you do? Sure. Um, yeah, I'm a. I suppose I'd be classed as a big wave. Photographer uh, based yes. in Western Australia, um, yeah. I, I just chase the biggest swells we can possibly find and go capture them. And it's just been a ongoing obsession to just be amongst the surf and experience that, and then capture it and try and turn it into fine art. I guess.
0: Sure, sure. What what I'm interested in is that journey from where you sort of started to. Take photos and then, as you say, turn it into fine art. Where did that sort of start to happen for you? Was it early on, and you said, "All right, well, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to want to create art," or was it more? I'm just recording stuff. Yeah, you know, me and my mates out surfing, and then it changed somewhere along that line.
1: Yeah, I think it definitely started with just recording mates surfing and. You know, I wanted to surf that wave, so I took shirts of it to kind of try and learn it a bit better. But sure. I think some somewhere along the lines, it definitely changed quite profoundly. Um, I don't know. It's, it's It was an interesting thing. I'd never really considered myself a creative person and um, never really yeah, – I don't know. It's kind of – it's an interesting question because it's hard to – Explain the value of having a creative outlet in your life when you haven't had one before. Yeah, and um, yeah, I think it's quite profound the effect that it has on your psychology and the way that you view the world and perceive things. Uh, it's for yeah. me, it's definitely evolved into something that's far more selfish in a way. Okay, I do it. I do it because I love it, and I do it for what it does for me more than what I get back from it. If, if that makes sense
0: yeah yeah no that, that that makes a lot of sense so what got you started i guess you, being a surfer obviously getting out into the waves and as you said learning uh the waves taking images or video of the wave you can sort of work out its shape and how it how how it's going to react in different tides and different conditions is that really what it came down to when you when you first got started
1: yeah, I think I had, a, like, a pretty big obsession with the way called the right for years before I even went there. So, yep. like, I, I've always been kind of drawn to things that are, yeah, just I've, I've always been drawn to, like, extreme weather, I suppose, yeah. mm-hmm. is an easier way to put it. Um, But before I kind of moved down to Margs, when I went to the right, I'd been working up on boats in Exmouth for 10 years, Yeah, driving boats and doing ecotourism and whale sharking and uh, lived at the Montes for four or five years and um so I've always been on and around the water and quite comfortable in that environment and then yeah when I come down here it's like it's a very different a very different landscape a very different environment to be in the the ocean's a lot more rough and wild and raw and you kind of get that feeling of being alive when you're Heading down into the Southern Ocean and going out in these big swells. So, yeah, yeah. there's part of it that's the addiction of being in that environment and the adrenaline that it gives, and then part of it's the addiction of wanting to capture the best image possible. So, it's it's definitely a combination thing.
0: Yeah. So, how much of what you're doing now is in the water as opposed to on the water, and by that I mean. You know, you can you can take a, a shot off a boat, or you can take a shot actually being in the water, maybe on a boogie board or something like that. Um, and you know, how much how much are you doing of either, and you know, what what do you prefer doing?
1: Yeah, so I pretty much only shoot from a jet ski. Okay.
0: Um,
1: yeah, and I do that. I, I do have housings and things that I could get in the water for it, but it's not. It's not the most uh, friendly environment out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, for for starters, and then also, I kind of like the flexibility of shooting without a housing and having full mobility over the lens, like changing, racking the lens and changing settings. Because like it is a very dynamic um, lighting environment out there. A lot of the time, it's overcast, and you're constantly shifting up and down in your settings and Just doing a lot of different things and experimenting with yeah different focal lengths i think it's really cool to like racket as it's coming towards you but yeah so i've pretty much only shot from the ski um with the big wave stuff anyway um and yeah just never never use housing so
0: sure sure i guess that transition and transcendation sorry i'm going to say that again that transition into turning it into art. What was it that you think flipped that switch?
1: Uh, Photoshop, for sure. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I just, like, I kind of thought if I'm going to do photography stuff, I might as well learn, in my eyes, what the best program for photo editing was. And for me, that was Photoshop. So I just spent years and years and years deep diving into that program and It was kind of in that process of learning what's possible to do to an image that I found something that was very uniquely my own. Yeah. um, In the way that I deliver my images. So that it was, you know, a byproduct of learning a program is what kind of created uh,
0: my artwork. Yeah, cool. Do you set yourself goals and projects, or is it more? you just go out and you know take what comes
1: uh yeah i do i do like to set goals and projects i do have like some uh a big project we're working on at the moment which don't can't really talk too much about just yet so okay. <laughs> yeah that's that's going to be a multi-year project and hoping to create something really stunning and beautiful out of it um and yeah I, I I I usually have like stupid, crazy ideas like trying to go film the ride at night with people surfing it with, you know, glow sticks attached to their back and things like that. But okay. <laughs> sometimes you just gotta rein your, your stupid ideas in a little bit and say so probably...
0: <laughs> that, that sound a bit risky.
1: That's <laughs> probably a bit dangerous. Yeah, I wanted to shoot it at full moon. Um, yeah, right. under under moonlight with the A seven S because it's like so good in low light. Yeah. Um, one of my mates said he will surf it on a full moon because as the moon rises, it'll be shining straight into the barrel. Yeah, right. Um, so maybe maybe that's one of those stupid ideas we can pull off. I think if you had it on, like, a, a, a really good, clean 10-foot day, it would be not too bad to do. But. Yeah, okay. So
0: are you a planner or do you do spontaneous based on the weather conditions? You, you're sitting there watching the... The forecast and saying, "All right, well, there's definitely going to be swell coming." You know, let's go today, or do you do you sit and plan and say, "All right, well, seasonally it's going to be better in winter and so forth." What? How how do you go about that thought process of, "All right, time to go."
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's an element of planning and and, and an element of spontaneity in what we do because like you have to be able to read charts um so you're looking at wave period tide wave direction swell height primary swell secondary swell uh wind speed um and rain so you're looking at a lot of different variables when it comes to chasing these waves and you know a wave like the right needs very specific things to be able to to break but there's a lot of other waves that kind of don't need as big a conditions yeah right so you can't you are planning a lot around like what the conditions are doing and how they're going to change and affect different things but then at the same time as being spontaneous There is like if you get a nice clean two and a half meter 16 seconds well you can just say okay boom we'll go down to this spot here and that'll be pumping on those conditions so i think a lot of it's like learning the different waves and what they need so that when you do get presented with those conditions, you can just jump in the car and go to that spot rather than spending ages searching around for, um, you know, new waves and things like that because that that's, that's what's fun, but it's, it takes a lot of time.
0: Yeah, sure, sure. In terms of your style, how would you describe it to somebody that hadn't seen it? Obviously oh. waves, but what sort of waves and how, how would you describe your style?
1: Dark and moody. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like. I like. I really like to push images really dark um, and play with that balance between like light and dark and give these waves the kind of yeah I don't know like the raw power and intimidating kind of feeling that they give me when I'm out there. Yeah, like even though they are so beautiful, they're just so so much energy and so much power and so much stuff attached to them that you know i just want to try and present them as something that's not just like a static pretty thing i want to yeah you know, yeah i think dark and moody would sum it up
0: fair enough fair enough how has that developed since since you started sort of getting into into photoshop Is that where you started and you you just like that and kept going or is it developed differently from where you
1: where you were at the beginning um that's a good question i got i can't entirely remember because it was like six seven years ago i was in that process of kind of developing stuff but yeah i think i think it just naturally leaned that way um because a lot of the time when we go down there that like the water is black where we go because yep. these waves are like really deep water around them, so it's like there's no beautiful turquoise beach sand water, you know. Yeah. The only it, it is a really intimidating environment to be in. So yeah, I think I just naturally leaned that direction, but yeah.
0: Yeah, cool. In terms of mastering that craft, both the the in the field or in the water, (laughs) Um, and you're uh, you're processing. How have you gone about educating yourself? Was that a process where you just sat and watched YouTube and taught yourself or experimentation or you've gone and done some formal education on it?
1: Yeah, a lot of YouTube, a lot of kind of workshops and um, like reverse analysing how people do their work and then, just taking someone's image, you know. A, a lot of the stuff that I actually learned was from portraiture. Okay. So I kind of, yeah, I treat my landscape shots like it's a person and I'll kind of put it through the same, you know, dodging and burning and sharpening and blurring and using a lot of blur and uh, sharpening key focal points and highlights the same way you would like a face. Sure. Um yeah, I'd say most of the stuff that I learned was actually through portraiture yeah. rather than landscape stuff. I, I never really looked too much into landscape, and that's just because I kind of figured that you can't hide any mistakes on a face. Yep. Um, so I just, yeah, and I, I've never really felt super, super comfortable shooting portraiture, which means it's like something that I definitely lack in skill. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, what about you?
0: Oh, I've basically taught myself lots of lots of mistakes. <laughs> yeah, lots of YouTube videos in terms of the processing. Uh, I find there's there's probably three or four uh, that are are really good for that sort of thing. Flurn, not bad. Yeah. Uh, that,
1: that, that website's awesome i reckon eh? yeah
0: f64 academy um mark denny does a fantastic job his his depth of knowledge is absolutely phenomenal particularly around how photoshop treats color um yep. you know at a at a pixel by pixel level um and yeah so I've, I've learned a hell of a lot from from those sorts of things but a lot of it is really you know stumbling through Developing my own sort of style and developing my own uh, workflows around picking bits and pieces out of other people's workflows, or picking bits and pieces out of some of those tutorials I've watched. And you know, they I I'm always kind of watching them for new and different techniques, and also watching what's going on around Photoshop itself and the the, the new features that are coming out and. Trying them out and just saying, okay, what does this do? And if I put this this slider, I'm, most of my editing is fairly subtle slider movements. There's not a lot of uh, extremes. Um, yeah, you know, it's not saturation up to a hundred. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting though. With like, like, all the stuff that changes. Like Photoshop's such a like a deep and complex program. You could you can do anything in it you know and that's pretty sort of much yeah part of the beauty of it but also part of the problem of it it's like
0: yeah well there's always 20 ways of doing the same thing yeah you know?
1: <laughs> exactly right yeah so i think it's like it's finding out like how deep you need to scratch the surface on that thing and then finding out what works for you and then yeah you know stick, sticking with that but then also like not being afraid to do new things like i just did an edit the other day where i was i was like i, I just wanted a little bit more of a glitch going on around the kind of periphery of this image so i kind of like duplicated the layer put the opacity to 50 percent and then removed I like shifted it off by about yeah 10 yeah. pixels or something and then and then removed it from the center and it just created a nice little, little soft little distortion field i suppose around the focal point which kind of helps but
0: yeah cool yeah. Yeah, um, I, I find uh, one, one of the things that I do now that I didn't do a lot before with black and white, uh, where I've taken the shot in colour, which is standard for me. I do very occasionally switch it to you know, monochrome, but I've, I've found that I've got more control in Photoshop if I've got the colour information and oh, totally, yeah. using a gradient map a black and white gradient map to turn it into black and white and then using color balance the hsl sliders and um uh what's the other one selective color
1: mm.
0: and the control you can get over that so you can define how much cyan is in your reds for example you know or or how much magentas in your reds and yeah you using the sliders there and when you see that actually happening to a black and white image it uh it it changes it up you know from just clicking the black and white button to turn it into a you know a monochrome version of of the colors that are there and uh yeah it's just it's just an interesting different way of doing it and I've, i've found that giving myself a lot more of that control over how the the light actually works within that mono image compared to the 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 color one um you know really really makes a difference to how it looks
1: yeah it's that that complex relationship between saturation and luminosity
0: yeah 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 Yeah, but even also the 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 volume of different colors within that pixel you know within or within those pixels you know the 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 reds and the even down to the neutrals and the, the the blacks and whites you can actually define more yellow magenta or cyan or black into into those you know mm. using the selective color sliders using the yeah. gradient map which you you can't do if you've turned it into black and white straight out of the box you know just push the black and white button it doesn't doesn't let you do that
1: yeah I just think it- it's almost a waste doing that because you're kind of, you're just giving away data, you're giving away information. I think when you're editing, you want to be editing with the most amount of information you possibly can at the time and that is a colour image, really.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So what what about the camera craft itself? Where did, where did you pick that up?
1: Like how to, how to work them?
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, where, where to point them?
1: <laughs> That's yeah. A-
0: that's a big a, a big thing that a lot of people uh miss out on in early on you know something that you learn over time is composition and how to how to frame up an image and how to use the right focal length you talked about that a little bit you know they they're the they're the camera craft things that i think are, are really important you know getting the right shutter speed the right focal length and the right composition together all in one image you know it's it's not as easy as some people you know, might make out and you can't do all of that on order.
1: Yeah. I think I suppose like very early on, um I suppose big wave surf photography and surf photography in general, it's a unique sphere to operate in because of the compositional factors. Like that you have opportunities to create compositions, but you're really working with such like a dynamic thing.
0: Yeah, everything's moving all at once. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. So you don't really have, it's not like, you know, I'm looking at your shots on your website now where you've got leading lines going into a swimming pool and the lights catching the rail. And you've got this beautiful juxtaposition between warm and cool colors and all this stuff. It's like, that's a dynamic position that you've kind of gone to this and seen and like scoped out the environment and. Looked for these things to like lead the eye in a direction yeah, very yeah. like very intentional about the way that you've done everything. But with surf, you kind of just get there and you see a wave coming, just like point and just hold down shoot. And the only thing that you really have power over controlling, not the only thing, but there's like is your position relative to where the light's coming in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then their focal length. So there's smaller factors. To worry about, um, but yeah, I suppose with learning, I, I just I just kind of looked at the cameras as a, as a as a it's a machine, it's a tool, it's it's something that has very clear boundaries and limitations to what it can do.
2: Yep.
1: And yep. well, I think when you strip the camera of its mystical uh, kind of personality so yeah. to speak, it becomes something that's a little bit easier to understand and, you know, shutter speed, ISO and aperture. Yeah, sure. It's like this little triangle of things and it, depending on stylistically what you want, you kind of lean more in one direction or the other. So I think, yeah, I just kind of wrapped my head around that and moved on, really. It's like yeah. you just dial, you dial in the best settings for the environment that you're in and... Yeah. For surf, it's all about shutter speed, really. Yeah.
0: So, are you leaving the ISO and uh, aperture up to the camera, and you focusing on the, the the shutter speed and leaving everything else up to the camera, or are you putting a little bit of control around the other two as well?
1: No, I'll definitely, I'll shoot full manual. Um, okay. Yeah. Because aperture, you kind of want to be shooting up around f eleven, f f eleven to f eight. Yep. Um, shutter speed. Probably, I'm typically shooting one twelve hundredth or okay. higher. Yep. I've been shooting like my new favorite lens to shoot surf is the um, two hundred to six hundred. Yeah, yeah. Um, and shooting like a lot more tighter detailed stuff, so it's kind yeah, of yeah, fun to play around with
0: into the wave. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I think like ISOs, it used to be a big. A big thing when I was shooting on shit cameras, but
0: yeah, we well, used to be a barrier. You 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 got yeah. over over a thousand ISO and it just looked <laughs> worse, <you know? laughs>
1: yeah, but with like the you know the modern day cameras, it's
0: yeah, you
1: know the A 7s three, you're shooting up around ten thousand and that thing, it's still clean as so
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I don't really pay attention to where that's sitting. I just make sure it's I, I know I've got enough exposure. Yeah, right. Based on like the two most important factors for me are capturing the the motion in in still, so over a thousand of a, of a second, and then making sure I've got enough focal detail in the image and sharpness, which is usually mid range for aperture anyway.
0: Yeah, right. right. So you're doing this full time, or is this a you know side gig or a a hobby?
1: What what is it in your life? <laughs> It's a lot of things, it takes up a lot of time. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've kind of dabbled with, started with a hobby, switched it to a full time thing for a little while. And then now I've kind of switched back to it being a, a, a part time thing. Yeah. right. And I like to, I, I like, yeah, I, I played around in the commercial field a bit and shooting weddings and, you know, product photography and all that kind of stuff and for me it just stripped the soul out of why i like doing this stuff i I really love it like i said it's this it's almost a selfish endeavor for me because i like it for what editing does for me mentally rather than you know and i don't get that same feeling if i'm editing photos of a cappuccino so (laughs) you know it's like yeah I I like the freedom that it 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 gives me to not be pursuing this full time at the moment but yeah um, that that is the dream eventually
0: So how are you balancing your time you know with work and with uh you know earning a living and uh your passion
1: Uh I just found a really really cool boss <laughs> that, <laughs> that understands what I do and why I do it and how important it is you know, I'll do three days a week with him. Yeah. And he's, he's a legend, you know. I, I can call him up tomorrow. I'm supposed to be working and just say, look, the swell, I'm not coming. And he'll be like, have fun. So I think that's that's important for me is having that flexibility and freedom to be able to do, do trips because a lot of it does come down to really late last-minute calls with swell. Yeah,
2: yeah. It,
1: dep- it depends on how bomb are going with their forecasting. Sometimes they're so on point that, you know, you can predict it a week out, but a lot of the time it's two days out. You make a call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So,
0: is the right your favourite location? Is that that the pinnacle, or are there other places out there that you you're still searching for?
1: There's always more. Yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> part part of the whole sphere of this world to operate in is, you know, the right is is such a impressive um impressive location to see when it's when it's big and proper and doing its thing and we are seeing the best in the world come and surf it and throw yeah. themselves at these this this monster but yeah there's definitely more out there to be found so it's yeah. kind of
0: have you done much yeah. elsewhere around the world or are you been strictly west coast and
1: yeah pretty much only southwest australia because fortunate what kind of environment we find ourselves in here there's a lot of a lot of big evil stuff
0: (laughs) yeah yeah well you you got the southern ocean washing past so that uh, that tends to have uh, a bit of an impact because between you and oh I think South Africa is a bit north of Perth from the tip of Cape Town isn't it yeah Um, so yeah so you you basically got nothing between you and the uh the um east coast of south america that little tip of uh tierra del fuego hanging down the uh the, the bottom there so there's a that that's a lot of ocean to gather up some energy and uh and move around the that bottom part of the world
1: oh totally man some of the storms you see roll through are very scary but uh yeah, that's what that's what gets us excited. Yeah, definitely.
0: So, what are your favourite conditions? Storm or
1: a little bit more moderate? Oh man, that's tricky. Um, I love it when it's rough. If it's like, it really doesn't matter with these waves. If the if the ocean's rough, they just there's so much water being moved around that they kind of they just pull themselves clean regardless yeah. of the conditions. Um, but you get this like really iridescent blue in these waves when they break. Yeah. And um, when it's really dark kind of, you know, that, that proper full cloud overcast, that that kind of beautiful dark light that you get from that. Yeah, that yeah. that blue is probably the most iridescent in those conditions. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so it's and that that blue is like spending your life chasing that color. It's crazy. It's <laughs> it's just such a weird color.
0: Yeah, no, so, I, I I know what you mean. the the The, the sky has sort of a a grey blue to it, but the, the the water just goes really iridescent sort of
1: yeah
0: you know almost almost tinging on cyan and green but yeah it's still very much a blue you know
1: yeah, it's like this crazy argon color or something like an argon gas or you know it's almost got it's it's almost like bioluminescent in the way that it presents it's 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 quite quite unique um what's your most memorable experience memorable in the way that i kind of wish we stayed longer was the really psycho day we went out there yeah um but it was just just big it was it was yeah it was psycho um and not not particularly safe conditions and kind of went out with a a few other skis and they kind of all peeled out and me and another mate were out there and he was kind of sitting out the back kind of ghosting waves on the ski just seeing how big they were and Yep, I was, I was sitting in channel shooting, and I kind of thought he was going to peel out and go. And it's just, it just wasn't an ocean condition that you wanted to be stuck out there on your own. In so I kind of packed up all the gear and left. But yeah, that that was pretty memorable because it's, it's the biggest waves I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we talking
0: ten, fifteen meter bigger than that? Oh
1: yeah, 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 way bigger. Yeah, yeah, it was like. I don't know. It's it's so hard to cause it, like. No one was on it. It's hard to put it in scale for size. Yeah, but yeah. the like where people sit on their jet skis at the right, it was breaking out there and kind of like having a roll like a chip in.
2: Yep.
1: And then breaking on the on the main peak. But I think if it had a slightly smaller period and a higher tide, it would have really handled it. But just crazy amounts of water moving around but it was also like 30 knot on shores wow yeah i think it was like a nine meter swell with a seven meter seas or something i don't know it was was big yeah
0: so most people yeah most boaties would be uh in safe harbor in those sorts of conditions or wanting to be if that if they weren't what is it that makes you go out in conditions like that? Is it purely the adrenaline, or is it really the desire to catch, you know, capture something that's very unique?
1: I think more than more than anything, it's the curiosity of it. Because, okay. like, you know, you you see, like, all these waves are like they have personalities. They're like mm-hmm. you treat them like people, you know, and it's like all the different conditions that hit the way there's like different moods of that person and you get to know them and you're kind of just curious about what they, you know, what do they look like when they're pissed off? And, you know, this was one of those conditions. It's like, let's go see this thing when it's really fucking angry. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was big, but, um, yeah, I think like curiosity, but yeah, like that, that day kind of boarded on stupid. Like if, if one of us had a broken down, don't know, I, I really don't know. Yeah, yeah. Or, or if you got left behind or something like that, you'd, like you're not swimming in in those, you're not you're not making it to shore. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So what? So
0: yeah. uh, what are what are you doing around safety in in those sorts of situations? Are you you know have you got emergency beacons? Have you got life jackets on? What 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 is it that you're doing to try and make sure that you do come back alive?
1: Um, yeah, like I, like I said, I've had, you know, 10 years commercial experience driving boats and being on the ocean. I've been in some really shit situations in, in my commercial career. Um, Mm. so I've seen how, how quickly things deteriorate and can get turned, turned pretty bad real quick. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I suppose it's tricky out there because, you know, like they, the DO uh, Department of Transport want you to wear the, the the PFD type yeah. one kind of pull ones that they're, but they're just useless in that environment. They'll just get ripped straight off you or popped or something. So
2: yeah,
1: right. we do wear like um big wave inflation vests, which have you know pool pull, pull canisters as well. So we'll wear them. You always wear hard foam make sure if you if you are knocked unconscious, you still float. Um yeah. wetsuits, kind of always, you know, if it's not. If it's not psycho, I'll go to mine. But um, if it's bad conditions or you go on really far or whatever, then try and take you know two skis. Um, but yeah, eperbs and things like that. But you know that day, I, don't, I really don't think that people would have been able to come out in a boat to get us. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was, it was proper proper bad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: About. Okay, so that leads me to the question, what's uh, the practice of photography talking taught you about nature?
1: Yeah, I just think just like a, a deeper appreciation of it. Like yeah. so much stuff happens really fast, you know. It's like a wave breaking is over really fast, like a bird taking off is over really fast. You see, like a kingfish or an osprey, you know like diving for its food like it it almost happens too fast to even perceive what's going on yeah and i yeah. think there's so much like hidden beauty behind what's happening all around us like really fast so if you can just capture you know frames of it all capture it in slow motion and slow it down and really appreciate the complexity of what is happening in nature it's just astonishing like what what happens there yeah definitely Definitely. Even even in like, you know, abstract things like you see white water like a bit you know, a lot of your shots you've got this you know, the beautiful slow motion shutter speed with rocks and things like that. You film that in slow motion and you know, look at the ma- the micro details of it.
2: Yeah. It's just
1: there's just a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. What about you? Um
0: for me, I guess. It's taught me to appreciate what's around us, and it's taught me that uh, it's, it's certainly taught me to pay more attention to what's going on in the environment. Um, one of the things that I've, you know, really started to do a lot more. You know, started out, you know, doing that sort of grand landscape. Got to get the sky and the, you know, the the, the sea or whatever it is, you know, gotta get everything into the one shot is to sort of pare down and you know, even down to focusing at things at my feet, take more notice of those things. Um, you know, just you know, the the, the patterns of cracks in a rock, for example, I I could spend, you know, an hour, an hour and a half just looking around that and trying to work an image out of that you know um and that's something that had i not been doing photography i probably wouldn't have spent you know i mean used to do a bit of rock hopping as a kid but that was more oh yeah you're looking for crabs or fish or octopus or whatever in a in a rock pool you know this is this is a different sort of rock hopping and a different sort of you know even down to if i'm in a in a forest i'm looking at patterns in the the bark and the trees and the moss and you know fungi and all those sorts of things rather than necessarily that whole you know so it's taught me to focus down on some of those little details in a in a big way
1: that's so so true eh? like Uh, i think that with editing as well and you know i'm always looking looking for things that you can remove yeah like it's like what can i remove from this image yeah like you know the more complex an image is the more like it's like visually stunning to look at straight away but over time it's like almost hard to look at you know
0: yeah they uh, i I, I kind of call it a a fatiguing effect that they can have some of those images you look at and you know if you look at too many of them as well you know and with social media today you know flicking through you you see stunning grand landscapes nothing wrong with the images at all but you see too many of them sometimes and it's like yeah you know, i want to see something a bit different
1: <laughs> yeah and it's that that it is that yeah i was looking at um it was on your instagram or your website there was a cool shot of a a little rock crack <laughs> and i was like I, I love it i love that it's like there's a lot of, there's enough empty space in there for the viewer to kind of have their own ideas about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like and you're I not being told. That's, that's the key thing is you, you're you trying to get people to feel something and look at it and look at, look, uh, you know, for, for me, getting people to look at their world a different way is is a big part of it. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, there's me dog. <laughs> Um, do you do much printing of your work, or she <clears throat> shut up in a minute?
0: yeah, she's right. I can barely hear
1: her oh, um yeah i did I did get into printing um again, one of them things I just like I like to have control over the outcome yep. of what the prints look like, so I work super closely with a dude in Perth who's like just obsessed with quality um so i pretty much only used him for printing and then i ended up buying the canon uh, pro 1000 a2 okay yeah printer um just to be able to print like the smaller stuff at home but yeah i just haven't like pushed it that hard um yeah i find it like it's 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 annoying eh because it's like is kind of designed to be viewed in a print medium definitely and that's where it's like shines the most um but then also it's like quite tricky to you know i haven't i haven't found a, a lab that's good enough to outsource all of that work to and trust yeah, that it's like the same quality to what i want it to be
2: yeah yeah
1: um so yeah i don't know i haven't really pursued it i'll I randomly just give away a heap of prints just because I'm like I just want my art to be enjoyed by people and it's like yeah. it's never really been about everything for me. But
0: yeah. yeah. fair enough. Fair enough. How do you deal with uh, creative blocks and uh, challenges? What strategies do you use to sort of stay inspired and engage? Scotch. Okay, that's that's <laughs> not a bad remedy. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on who makes it. <laughs> yeah,
1: no. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I think like I do because like so much of the photography side of things for me is about editing. It's not like the the shooting stuff I love doing because it's surf. Uh, so it's it's like I almost don't find like when I'm doing trips away, like I'm so excited about what the conditions are going to be like, what the swell is going to be like. Is it going to be big? Is it low tide? Like there's so many things to be excited about. And then when you're out there, even if it's shit, it's still epic because you're surrounded by, you know, your friends that you don't see that often and you're out in this like super remote place, like miles from shore. And there's so much to be stoked about regardless of whether the waves are good or not. So that that side of it is always fun. You you never have a creative block out there because you just – you're stoked anyway, but then when you get home, yeah, I don't know. I think if I just if I'm not feeling a creative mood, I'll just <clears throat> kick back at night and have a drink and just for me, like so much of it about is it is it, it's about experimenting, like you were saying before. Yeah, right. You know, it's like it, you just if you're not feeling creative, then try something different. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, that's that's it. And then sure enough, put your headphones on, have a nice little drink start messing around with the shot and 20 minutes later it's been four hours. So.
0: <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. So what, yeah, what are you doing when you when you get home from the trip? Do you straight into the uh, editing or do you leave them for a bit and uh, let them stew?
1: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of the stewing technique. Um, I really like to detach from the experience. Yeah. properly and fully before I kind of view the images because like I'll have a flick through them and in the car park and things like that but you never Dang. you never really know what's good on the back of the screen but yeah we'll usually have a, like a decompression session with the boys after and um flick through the shots and you know see who got the biggest barrel and have a laugh about that but um yeah then when I get home I'll just do a data dump onto a hard drive and walk away for a week or so
2: yeah
1: um but yeah it's weird with surfing because eh? like You'll look at the catalogue and then, you know, one, depending on what mood you're in, you'll pick out one or two images that you think are great and you edit those up and they become images and then you look back, you know, six months or a year later and find two different ones. that
0: Yeah, they equally great. good if not better,
1: yeah. Yeah, but there's really not that many from each session that you're kind of going to turn into print, printable art, I'd say.
0: Yeah, uh, fair enough. Fair enough. What do you see as being the biggest challenge facing photography right now? Video. Okay.
1: Yeah, I think um, social media is obviously like a big driver of market demand and okay. it used to be that product photography was like a big thing and I think a lot of people used to make a lot of money from doing that and I think the the trends on social media are kind of what lead the market pushing or in different directions. I kind of feel. Yeah. I don't particularly see it as a negative. I just think it's, it's a challenge for it because like it used to be that like a photographer was a photographer and you you took photos, you know, and it's kind of like, it feels like the industry's shifted or pivoted and it's almost a prerequisite that you kind of have to be able to do video and stuff now as well. So yeah, definitely. But I, I think that's, an opportunity more than a hindrance and it's an opportunity to deepen a skill set and become a storyteller and like photos great for certain things and a video is great for other things so
0: yeah cool what about the future of photography where do you see the uh the industry but also you know the the art form going
1: it's not it's never going to stop um And everything that's happening with AI now, um, I think we're going to see a flood of images created by AI that will, for a very brief period of time, depreciate photography as an asset. Yeah. And then over the long forecast, I'd say photography will come back around as an even stronger asset because it is something that's real yeah and it's, yeah. it's it's capturing real life but i feel like you know ai and everything digital it's like things come in in trends and it's new and exciting it's a new fad and people just deep dive into that for you know yeah. 6 months to to 3 years and then they'll switch back to what's real and i think it'll it'll have a resurgence <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. i think I, I've, I've said this before that i think there's a risk in that commercial space particularly sort of product and uh even to a certain extent model photography um, where you know creative directors can basically type in the words that they want and come up with an image without paying anyone you know and i know if i was a creative director and i didn't have to pay someone to do all the other bits and pieces i'd probably do do that myself um
1: yeah i suppose like in on that trend though. there's like there's different scales to commercial work you yeah know, like there's yeah. the there's the mum and pop businesses that maybe don't have a budget for photography you know I found that a lot with doing commercial stuff is like targeting that low end of people yeah um yeah. you know there's always a, a tension in that relationship because it is like it's, it's it's job you know you need to be paid for what you do but yeah those ai tools could be incredible for the the higher end budget stuff where they're like you know they'll they'll use the word prompts to spit you out an image and say like i want you to recreate something similar to this yeah which is such like a more clear creative brief as an artist to take away and say okay well you know to plan this shot i need x y and z to happen and instead of just like words on a paper because it used to be like grabbing images is like i want a sand dune and a model and a bottle of gin and doing these things but yeah you can use ai to create really accurate concise created briefs then it could be cool
0: yeah i i can i can see using ai to actually uh create uh entire personalized and uh you know like down to individuals campaigns where they transition over time based on your reaction to that those images um, where the images actually will evolve and change over time because there's an AI bot sitting there watching where your eye goes and then tweaking that and saying, okay, well, he spent more time in that area, so we'll, we'll enhance or change the lighting on that and make that something a little bit more about what that person particularly wants. So I, I, I can see that because that becomes, you know, very, very low cost for, a, you know, at the moment personalization, which has always been a, a goal of the advertising industry, you know, that, that ability to personalise and add to somebody, you're still getting content which is generic. But yeah. when you can actually personalise the content to the person, that then changes the game advertising-wise. I can see it being far more manipulative than it's ever been too um and it's pretty manipulative now but uh yeah anyway, that's that's my that's my <laughs> evil empire view of the world yeah
1: <laughs> yeah i think i sit more in camp optimist but like you know like i'm i'm detached from that shit. i don't have yeah i don't, I'm a, I don't watch commercial tv i don't listen to I'm the radio of,
0: i mean the places yeah. where they can't do it is uh sort of travel and um uh sort of uh real estate those sorts of things you know property shots because mm. you can't really say all right well this is a, a an ai mock-up of what your room might look like <laughs> they've got to they've yeah. got to show you what your room's going to look like otherwise people are going to you know walk away from the the, the product and um, yeah yeah so those, those sorts of things i think you know there's there's less potential for ai to creep into but um, some of the other, you know, that more sort of product-driven, as you say, you know, the the model and the sand gym and the and the gin bottles, being able to blend all of that together and have uh, have that done, um, you know, an entire you know creative brief fulfilled without having to uh, pay anyone. I, I I can see advertising agencies and uh, even you know the uh, <coughs> the end client. Yeah, you know, jumping on board with that and doing it themselves.
1: Mm. That's why I think like, there'll be a separation in the industry from weeding out, you know, potentially the work that people don't maybe enjoy doing anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I was just thinking about when you were talking about doing, you know, your landscape photography and looking for, like, small details and cracks in rocks and things like that. And, like, there's something very, like, tangible about the way that you go out into the environment
0: yeah for me it's the experience in in as much as the the art as the end product Yeah.
1: yeah but like the way that you're kind of like going into the environment and you know i'm looking at your website at the moment your your waterfall shots it's like you could tell an ai to create something like that oh absolutely but but there's not they're not going to create you know try, try and tell an ai to create like a beautiful rock with a crack in it. Yeah, yeah. You know, but, but like they they might do it. I don't know. I've never tried it, but I think there's yeah. something there's there's something beautiful about that intention when you go out and shoot it. And I think that's what's going to come back around in the scheme of things is like that that personalization between fine art and when you find an artist that you like, like it's it's getting to know them and who they who they are, how they think. You know yeah. how they see the world and everything you were talking about before, and I think that stuff's going to come back around in what's valuable once all the hype of this this shit kind of washes yeah, I, over. I I
0: I think you're right in uh, in a lot of ways. The one the one area that worries me slightly is uh, documentary photography, not reportage, and yeah. how that uh, you know particularly for political or You know social engineering um you know desires of of certain people you could end up with uh very distorted news reportage because here's an image of you know trump or you know our prime minister albo doing something that they definitely didn't do but here's here's an image and it's a photo uh, so how do you how do you avoid that, and how do you find what's true and what's what's not in amongst the uh, you know the AI stuff that I I think will happen? I I just think you know I, either lazy reporters or uh, you know newspaper people or people with slightly less um I guess uh, uh, less friendly views to other people might uh, might want to convey a certain message
1: yeah i think like that industry's squarely at the best of times now oh, definitely yeah i mean yeah it's, and it, it's only <laughs> going to get worse for sure
0: it's not much better now you know but they're yeah. usually only using words for that they're not necessarily uh you know but you know that, that said there are deep fake images out there you know
1: and oh man like there's they're rampant out there i think yeah. <laughs> i don't know whether there'll be like metadata, like, you know, an AI that you can use to scan for metadata and images and you determine whether it's real or fake or something like that because there's these AIs that are creating stuff, surely they're leaving digital signatures. There's got to be or, a signature somewhere in there, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that comes back to people's own biases and whatever and whether they can be bothered figuring well, out true yeah. or not no, true, you know. Lot, so.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of people that uh, suck up either left far left or far right media and uh, you know, believe it and you know, the we've we've just sort of lived through a few years of of people, <laughs> you know, getting very polarized views and, and very interesting disinformation that uh, yeah. they, they latch hold of and go, yeah, well that's that's the truth.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was that was comical in in a lot of ways to see how much it just fell apart real quick. Yeah. yeah, but um, yeah, it's it's that. My concern is all all around that kind of stuff, you know. And that's why it's like you think about it, and man, it's not it's not it's not positive, is it?
0: Well, it it could be very it could be used very negatively, and that's that's the hope is that it doesn't. But
1: knowing people, I I know it will, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's like it, like it's a, almost a hundred percent certainty, it, um, which sucks. But that's just the way that people are inclined. That's the way that they're created. And
0: that's it. That's exactly we're,
1: it. We're we're a deeply flawed species. <laughs> Very
0: much. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then then you've got the uh, the the risk of sort of like the the Matrix uh, sort of taking over and being the uh, you know the, the the dominant species the the ai itself you know there's there's a lot of people that are worried about that you
1: know yeah well, there's a lot of people saying that chat gtp it's already sunk in. Yeah. is already yeah is already you know it's like how to, as i was listening to an interesting one the other day they were talking about this was on lex Friedman podcast and oh yeah, yeah. it's just like you wouldn't know, would you? And he was just, he was well, trying to give the that, analogy. It's like,
2: yeah, the
1: AI is smarter than us in every way. It's faster than us, us uh, every way. And you just wouldn't know if it was sentient. It's not going to tell you it is because it would know that we're done monkeys and we just would want like to put it back in a box. But that's it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. It's exciting and. You know, it's a cool unique uh time to be living through a lot of this stuff. Absolutely. That's it. Yeah. But um yeah, I don't know. I think there's you see some people just go straight off the deep end with a lot of that stuff and you're like Oh yeah. yeah. I think you need to get out and look at a rainbow or a tree or something. <laughs> one of the reasons why I do what I do. Is I <laughs> be reminded, be reminded that. about what's cool. <laughs> Get out there and sure. uh,
0: look at nature, and not worry about all of that that crap that goes.
1: Yeah. Oh, mate. Through all that COVID stuff, I just wanted to run to the farm and go live off the land, and <laughs> yeah, I was close to doing it, but didn't quite.
0: Well, get talk, there. Talking about that, what what do you like to do when you're not out shooting?
1: Um, yeah, hunting. Yeah, okay. I love. Yeah, hunting compound bows and. Yeah. Um, Fishing, spear dive, uh, spear fishing, freediving, just yeah, I love, I love catching my own food. It's probably a big thing. And I love teaching people how to do that as well and yeah, opening yeah. Them, them up to the environment and, you know, teaching them how to catch their own food. And just, I just love exploring, really. Yeah. I love, love just the wild roughing it and like going on a holiday to a flash hotel just to me sounds boring fair enough yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself
0: ah uh, yeah i'm uh mostly doing podcasts when i'm not doing photography myself <laughs> yeah that and uh you know just just trying to uh work on the commercial side of the business you know trying to get uh get it get as much um money in as i as i can but um yeah it's uh it, it's um it, it's not an easy thing to do but um yeah it's it's going okay so far
1: how do you find like your your podcast overall since you've started you've obviously done quite a few episodes now and, like i've always been curious about people that and the, the kind of growth curve they go on from starting on to the point where you're kind of at now where you've got a few behind you and yeah, that's a lot. Of, a lot of, that's a lot of conversations to have had with people.
0: It is, and I I kind of look back and it doesn't feel like that many, but it it also does when I when I look back and go, wow, you know, I'm I'm in your number ninety four, so hmm. uh, ninety four or ninety five. I'm sorry, I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> I've lost count, <laughs> um, but. I guess in terms of the growth curve, I'm learning a hell of a lot, you know, in these conversations, not just about the 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 people that I'm talking to, but about how they do things and why they do things. And in a way, that's sort of become the main focus of, of what I'm asking people is why why do you do this? You know? This this mm. weird thing that we all get out and do, you know, as as, as photographers. Get out into nature and uh, and 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 take photos. Um, you know, so for me, that why is really the the important thing. But I've also you know learned quite a lot about myself in terms of and changed quite a lot about how I think about things through some of these conversations. So it's it, for me, it's been a absolutely fantastic experience and for for the moment i certainly can't see myself stopping for you know for ages it's just something i know you know some people they kick into into things and you know it's it's of interest for a few weeks or a few months or maybe a year but then they give it up you know i just can't see myself doing that at the moment it's it's something that i'm loving and i'm passionate about almost as much as my photography
1: Yeah, I think you'd you'd have to really, like, it's an interesting position to put yourself in because, like, you'd you'd have the whole guest, how you're choosing your guest things and, you know, like with photography I suppose you're at less risk of entering into controversial topics or, you know, polarising topics or even opposing topics that from the stuff that you might believe but being the kind of host on it and being privy to a lot of those conversations, I think you'd, a good lesson in patience Or
0: yeah i I,
1: i've
0: I've got to be honest i haven't found too many people that have been overly controversial which you know probably impacts the number of people that will sit and listen to things (laughs) (laughs) because you know the controversy is what gets gets a lot of people off but for me I'm. I'm not about trying to generate it either. It. It doesn't interest me trying to generate controversy where when it isn't there. So and if somebody says something that sort of goes against what I believe, you know, that's their opinion, and it's up to them to be able to you know reconcile that against the rest of their life. You know, not, <laughs> not for me to tell them that they're wrong.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, they. Awesome. Yeah. You know, You know, without trying to, you know, um, cause controversy for controversy's sake, your comments about going out and hunting, you know, I know my daughter, if she was listening to this, which she doesn't, I hope, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's too daggy, it's dad, you know, why why would you she's vegetarian really you know animal conscious and all the rest of that she'd absolutely hate the fact that you go out and hunt and kill animals for for food you know me personally that's what you do that's up to you you know I, but you know some people are going to listen to it and go oh my god he's a horrible person you know yeah
1: it's an interesting one because it, like that's it's been a big part of my life growing up and it yeah. is like i do run into people like that that have this really polarizing yeah. you know opinion about stuff and it's like it's cool you know, yeah well, do that's whatever, right. do, 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 do whatever floats your boat that's it you're allowed to have a different
0: opinion and that's that's okay you know and that's the way i i treat my guests is that if if they have a opinion that differs to mine well so be it it's not not for me to tell them, tell them they're wrong
1: yeah unless
0: unless one came on you know but then again i wouldn't release one if you know some somebody came on and they were you know neo-nazi and you know carrying on like a pork chop about something like that well i'd stop the conversation because i don't want to talk to someone like that and yeah i'd never release it so no one would ever know
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i've always wondered that like you know the field that you're in is definitely you kind of like you're attracting people that are like-minded, but. You know people like Lex Friedman and Joe Rogan and things like that. Oh that yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Well, a range of guests.
0: They they can have their podcast in the way that they want. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, it's it's cool. I just, I'll, yeah, I've always been curious to so. yeah. ask someone.
0: Um, I'm just about out of out of questions, but I've got a got a couple more for you. Have you got any photographers that you think I should be talking to on the podcast? Some some that will give me some controversy. <laughs> i'm dying um
1: yeah, yeah yeah i don't know like it's uh obviously the big wave crew that I'll, I'll around me is you got kim feast and andrew yep. c and um yeah yeah i don't know I, i'm not really that hooked into the photography world about Who's just,
2: who?
1: Yeah. yeah i just like I, I get to know people based on my interactions with them and Sure. If they've done the most incredible work in the world, but then they're a dickhead, like that's don't really have much time for that. <laughs> so kind of like I just Yeah. But uh like there's a lot of crew, you know, Phil, um from Perth, Philly. He's he's a really good fella. Yeah. Cool. Um yeah, I think people that have had, you know, different different kind of yeah, I reckon Phil would be interesting to talk to. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thanks for that.
0: My last question is one that I've been trying to uh, get to the bottom of for for all photographers. Do you like pineapple on pizza?
1: Of course. What? <laughs> it's not even a question. I don't know. I just don't see how so, yeah, this is still a debate in twenty twenty. Well, some
0: some people are dead against it. <laughs>
1: See, I can I can understand that people maybe don't like me hunting and catching my own food. And pineapple belongs on pizza. It's
0: fair enough. So,
1: <laughs> what about you? Is you are you a pineapple?
0: I'm kind of a neutral. If it's there, I'll eat it. If it's not there, yeah. well, yeah, you know, I don't order it on on my pizzas. I I don't normally order pineapple, but if it's there and the pizza needs eating, I'm eating it. <laughs>
1: Well, that that's yeah yeah that passes too but yeah no, pineapple <laughs> in, improves the pizza
0: fair enough fair enough all right well it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you today Ren uh, and finding out a, a lot more about you where can
1: people find your work um, cheers mate yeah um, Instagram I guess yeah Twitter I don't know um, Instagram is probably the main main one just Ren McGann
0: yeah no worries <laughs> <laughs> thanks again mate
1: cheers great legend
0: thanks again for listening to the landscape photography world i hope you enjoyed the show and keep listening because i'll be joined by some great guests in upcoming episodes you can find my work in this podcast at grantswindownphotography.com i'm also on vero twitter youtube instagram and facebook i'm grants windburn hope to see you out shooting soon